Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast. At this point last week, we ended up doing a little bit of Eurovision Poetry Corner, which I thought was thoroughly, thoroughly exciting. Rob clearly didn't because this week he hasn't written another sonnet, have you? I haven't written another sonnet because as we established last week, a sonnet is actually very difficult. You've got the 10 beats per line or whatever it is. You've got the iambic pentameter, which I can barely say, let alone do in sonnet form. So no, I have not done another sonnet this week. But I understand that you have one-upped me. You've embarrassed me in front of everybody because I didn't realise that you were doing this. Yeah, so I've decided to write another Eurovision-based haiku and that is how we're going to start this week's episode of the Eurotrip. In all fairness, the bar from last week is quite low, so my expectations aren't, aren't up there, I'll be honest. Your expectations of me aren't up there very often on anything, let's, uh, let's be honest with ourselves. But here is another one of my Eurovision haikus. Write another song for Eurovision again. Yes, Facebook, said Ralph. For goodness sake. <laughs> Do you like that one? Let's get on with the podcast. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, your favorite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, even though his name doesn't look like it's pronounced like this, Lawrence Bubno. Indeed, and I can imagine there's plenty of you listening at home going, who on earth is Lawrence Bubno? Well, that is an absolute fair reaction to have because his name is not a name you would necessarily 
be familiar with because he was in fact a head of delegation, the first ever head of delegation that we've ever had here on the Eurotrip. That's right, he has a fascinating insight into the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, especially now given that Hungary have withdrawn from Eurovision. So who knows, Lawrence could be Hungary's last ever head of delegation, hopefully not though. He was their head of delegation from 2017 through 2019, so the contests in Kiev, in Lisbon and in Tel Aviv. And James, you found it interesting at least because you sent me a little message this morning that said, oh, this is quite good actually. I thoroughly enjoyed it actually. I thought this is going to be a really good, unique insight into the contest because we've spoken to plenty of artists, we've spoken to backing singers and all sorts, but never have we heard from somebody who's sort of on the production side. And there's uh, some plenty of gems in there that you'll never have heard anywhere else. You're right, including this. And this is the question that I really wanted to ask. How does a country confirm it's competing at the following year's Eurovision? We, we get the invitation every year and, and we have the, the broadcasters. Eurovision will take place. Of course, we know which country, but we, we get the dates and, and then they send us a deadline. Actually, to answer your question shortly, it's pretty much an email. So there you go. We're going to get answers such as that from the interview later on in the podcast. But there's also plenty more in this episode as there usually is. We'll get the news in 90. We'll get the European quiz. And of course, we'll get the one second song as well. That's right. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Eurovision. We've got it covered. So that's right. Hello and welcome. Episode 16 of the Eurotrip is here. That's right. If you've been here for all 16 episodes, thank you so very, very much. Now, it's been a very, very exciting weekend for me and James and the rest of the Eurovoir team. As you know, the Eurotrip podcast is part of Eurovoir, the world's most read Eurovision news site. And we were fortunate enough to be asked to collate our list of our favourite 10 non-qualifying songs for the Eurovision Again special, which is taking place in December. Now, I put in my list, James put in his list, as did Alistair, also from Eurovoir. Alistair, again, hello, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me back. Now, I'm not the only one that found this very, very difficult, am I, guys? Because what we were doing, we were all coming up with our own list, but James, it was going down to one list, ultimately. We won't say who Eurovoir's ultimate winner was, but I think you and Alistair have got a bit of common ground when it came to songs that you wanted to see in the Eurovision Again special. Yeah, so it appears four of the songs that I chose for my list also appeared on Alistair's list. I can't imagine there's a great deal of crossover between the three of us, though, because you've got some questionable tastes. You say questionable. I think what you actually mean is I'm the only one that remembers Eurovision before 2010. That's what you actually mean, isn't it? This at least gave me the wonderful opportunity to remember songs like Sandra for Estonia in 2006, Hind for the Netherlands in 2008. They both made my list. But you two, Alistair, you both had the same 12 points and that 12 points went to... Uh, Zips, because Zips were rubbed. (laughs) This is a campaign that Eurovoir have been getting behind for a very, very, very long time. What is it about Zibs, Alistair? Do I need to ask? <laughs> it was just a great song and it should have should have made it. It's pure and simple. Yeah, there's not much more to add than that, to be honest with you, Rob. He's hit the he's hit the nail on the head. It was quite simply robbed. And apart from Rambo Amadeus, of course, they are the only other artists who were all desperate to see back at the contest. Now, did Rambo, this is what everyone's asking who's listening, did Rambo make your list? I think we know the answer. 
Of course you know the answer. Of course you made my list. Alistair, you are here for the news in 90, which is something you have done once before. It's our bite-sized look at the news from the world of Eurovision over the last seven days. How are you feeling this week? You've done it once before. Is there plenty to talk about? Are you going to get through the time? I understand as well that there is a very difficult name that you're going to you're going to give us with with confidence, right? I am going to give it with confidence this time. Yeah, I've had my practice run, so hopefully this time we're going to just go for it. This is a man who comes very prepared. I don't think anybody else does a practice run. So if there's anybody <laughs> more prepared than Alistair, then I'd love to see them. But the time has come. You've got 90 seconds to give us all the news. So if you are ready, I've got the stopwatch ready. So your time starts in three, two, one, go. Okay, there are now just under two weeks until the Junior Eurovision Song Contest 2020 in Warsaw and preparations for the contest are entering the final stages. The postcards which are to be used in the broadcast are currently being filmed. They will feature young dancers and are being filmed across all of Poland. And also the official album for the contest has already been released. The opening ceremony for the contest will be held remotely next Monday and will be hosted for the second year in a row by Mantias Szymkowiak in the ceremony where uh, there will be a draw to determine the exact position for the host country Poland as well as a draw for who opens and who closes the show. The 12th and final entry for the contest was revealed this week as after Sandra Gadelia won the right to represent Georgia with the song You Are Not Alone. Over in the adult contest, it was revealed today that sadly Ben Dolich, who was to represent Germany in the 2020 contest, has decided not to return for 2021. The singer, singer revealed this on his Instagram page, saying it was a difficult decision to make, but he believes his career has taken a different direction. Meanwhile, over in Estonia, the full lineup for the 2021 edition of Esti Lau has now been revealed. The lineup does include Uko Suviste, who was supposed to represent Estonia at this year's contest, Although Uko was offered an automatic wildcard space in the competition, the head of delegation for Estonia did confirm that Uko's uh, potential new entry should not be considered as a wildcard as he was selected to be in the lineup on the merits of the entry itself. And uh, looking ahead to 2022 in Sweden. Unfortunately, we can't uh, look ahead to 2022 <laughs> in Sweden because your 90 seconds is up. You did pack quite a lot not in a there. <laughs> Very exciting that junior Eurovision is less than two weeks away but we also got our first taste at some national selections for the adult contest in 2021 SD Lowell have revealed all of their artists which one of these do you want to chat about a bit more Rob yeah important to say as well as you mentioned there junior Eurovision just a couple of weeks away next week so this time next week we've got our junior Eurovision special and a very special guest joining us for that as well so make sure you stay tuned for that one but as you said there's lots of lots of adult Eurovision news lots of 2021 news uh, but I'm going to talk about and I would like us all to talk about because it's not just my podcast James you're here too Ben Dolik who I'm devastated is not back for 2021 because and Alistair I want your read on this actually that was my favourite song from 2020. Violent Thing was my favourite song for last year's contest. So I was absolutely devastated, for this year's contest rather. So I was absolutely devastated that he's not going to be here next year. Yeah, it's, it is a real shame. Um, he, he wasn't my favourite, but he was probably probably in the top 10 for me. Um 
So yeah, I, it's a shame that we'll never, because we never got a, um, we never even got a national final performance from him. So it's a shame that we're never going to see anything from him Eurovision related. What's crazy, James, about this as well is the fact that he says his career has taken a, a change of direction. That change of direction has come quickly, hasn't it? It certainly has, hasn't it? Something tells me that that decision wasn't actually his choice and somebody else has made it on his behalf. Now, I'm going to say this and uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I just had it in the back of my mind that he hadn't already been chosen anyway and it was never going to happen. I just thought we'd, we'd already said goodbye to lovely little Ben and I'd sort of gotten over it anyway. So when the news broke earlier in the week, I thought, oh, well, he's gone anyway. That's fine with me. It's interesting what Germany are going to do next year because you spoke to Iveta Mikucian off of Armenia 2016 and was rumoured to be in the in the um, mix for representing Germany in Eurovision 2021. Alice, what are you hoping for from Germany in 2021? Because they kind of need something, don't they? Because it has not been good for them in recent years. It really hasn't. Um, I just... I kind of hope that they pick someone who kind of has full reign on like they're allowed to do whatever they want to do in terms of creative license. Um, Cause I think um, in 2018, they did a lot better than what they have been doing recently. And I think that kind of shows that it was a bit more authentic. So you can keep up to date with all of the news on uvoir.com surrounding everything, including Germany's selection for 2021, but it is now time for the first play of this week's One Second Song. Alistair, you've just heard it. First impressions, do you know what it is? I think I've got it, yes. You think you've got yeah. it? Yeah. Or you know you've got it? Tell me the I've... confidence levels. <laughs> I've either got four points or I've got no points. So for new listeners, there's four points on offer. The song title, the artist, the year it was performed, and the country it was representing. You think you could potentially have four? You see, I've actually now thought it might be something else. <laughs> oh, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough sometimes. It is very, very tough. We will have another play of it a little later on when Rob can have a have his first listen and you at home can have another listen. We'll find out Alistair's guess a little later on. But in the meantime, Alistair, where can people go to find all of the latest Eurovision news? Uh, so you can find that on Eurovoir.com and we are also on all the social media, so Instagram, uh, Facebook and Twitter. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Hello, my name is Boris Bugno and I was the head of delegation for Hungary from 2017 until 2019. As you definitely know by now, this is the Eurotrip. Thank you very much for tuning in. And as a reminder, if you ever want to get in touch with anything, and please do, we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. We are on Instagram as well. You can also find us on the old social medias. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Lilly One, L I W L E Y, for others you are interested. And uh, James, your lovely little handle would be. Mr. James Rowe, R-O-W-E, for those of you who find it difficult to understand my accent. Any need for the Nister? It's quite formal. Uh, just James Rowe wasn't available, so I just thought I'd clarify, you know. I could put Lord if you want. Lord would be good. Lord would be good. Yeah, Rob Lilly is also, not me obviously, a golfer in America, who is unfortunately for him not famous enough to be well known as a golfer, but is apparently famous enough 
to have the Rob Lilly Twitter handle. Is he famous enough to have the blue tick? He isn't. He isn't. Ah. So I still could win the race to be the first Rob Lilly with a blue tick on Twitter. Who knows? Well, we are all fascinated by that race. I'm sure we'll be following it with close eyes, Rob. We will be following it with close eyes. But now it is time for the first part of the interview with, as I would probably say, Lorink Bubno. But it's not Lorink, is it? No, when me and you were discussing potentially getting Lawrence, as it turns out his name is, on the podcast, we referred to him and called him Lorink for quite a long time. I would say many weeks now. And then when I first had a chat with him on the interview that you're about to hear, I said, hello, how is it? Is it Lorink? And he went, no, it's Lawrence, you lunatic. So his <laughs> name is Lawrence Bubno. And as you will have heard from the opener, he was Hungary's head of delegation from 2017 to 2019. And James, as we've already mentioned, I think this is going to be a fascinating insight into Eurovision for our listeners because we've interviewed you and me, former contestants, but we haven't got a kind of behind the scenes look so far. No, you're right. This is the first sort of behind the scenes look we've really had at the contest. Somebody who hasn't performed on the Eurovision stage and arguably that's where a lot of the action happens because we see everything that happens on screen but we don't see the nitty-gritty we don't see what goes on in the offices in the tv centers we don't see all of that so to get Lawrence on to chat about what he did as Hungary's head of delegation is fascinating for the listeners it really is so he was as we've said Hungary's head of delegation for three years uh, twice when they were represented by Yoxi Papai in 2017 and 2019 when they were represented as well by the metal band AWS in 2018 you'll hear about that in part two but here in part one this is where I really wanted to get an insight into what the role of a head of delegation really really does and I started by asking him how he got the job in the first place I did loads of things, but let's, I will try to narrow it down to, to what I did in the media because uh, it has the most to do with my role at the Eurovision. I learned English, so that was my first major at university. Then I learned music, actually choral conducting. That's what I learned at the Music Academy here in Hungary. And then I ended up being um, a producer, the radio producer actually, at, at the public service media in Hungary. I, I worked for various stations. Uh, I quit my job at the at the music radio station and then I uh, joined the team at the international relations department because uh, in Hungary it's it's um, so it's not the same as in every other country or some of, of the other countries so the heads of delegation for for quite a long time now they they are not actually the persons who, who run the the national selection show so they are not TV producers but they work at the international relations department so it's more like a managerial role in a way but um, since so because of my background and my creative background I also try to well I couldn't help myself in me getting involved in all the creative aspects of of the Hungarian act for for those three years so yeah that's the curvy journey that I took before I I, I ended up being head of delegation. What sort of relationship had you had with Eurovision, even just growing up? Because I know Hungary have, have kind of been in Eurovision, they've been out of Eurovision. So what was that like for you? Did you always watch it? No, actually not. So so I told this to everybody who, because, you know, I've met loads of people who are hardcore Eurovision fans and, and I 
at the beginning, I always felt ashamed that, you know, there was, there were these big, big trivia things that, that we always have in Eurovision, like in the Euro clubs and everybody knew all the songs, which I didn't know all of them. So actually, you know, as a musician, I, I was quite biased about Eurovision as well, because, uh, uh, I, I, I had my opinions, which changed a lot, actually, during the three years that I've been in, in the project. But, but I wasn't always thinking about Eurovision, that this is something very, you know, high level musically. But then that's not what I think today. But I, I had this prejudice be before I entered the whole family. I was going to say, did that, do you think it, it paid off and it, it was to your advantage that you weren't a big Eurovision fan because you were able to be more objective about everything? In a way, yes. Um, on the other hand, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it was a disadvantage. I, I felt because, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing, for example, when uh, we have the, the heads of delegation meeting in every March. And I remember that it was such uh, this conversation with the other heads of delegation whom I didn't know at all because we never met. Uh, and I, I remember that everybody was trying, you know, just to, to feel their way through the conversations is, is who, who actually is your entrant? Because I, I think I remember that I saw something, but then, you know, over the years, I learned that this is the same for everybody. Also for the ones who have been here, I mean, I said to the delegation for 20 years that we don't always have the time to, to check each and every song out. What are your day-to-day -day jobs? What What is your role involving? You know, how many different tasks do you have? I mean, it must be impossible to to list it quickly because there must be so many things you have to do um there is um so the, the way uh, how i can put it that there's a checklist that we get with um because there, there's a version of the eurovision rules which are uh which are only sent out to the delegations at the beginning of the, the of the rule book we have we have a checklist which is like three pages long and it's just the, it's just the major things that we have to pay attention to and we have the deadlines uh, what are the things that we have to have ready by the certain dates? Uh, and uh, so the whole, always the whole thing starts out with, um, yeah, with the application for the contest. And, but that's, that's pretty easy. And then the next big step normally was the, the hotels, because um, that, that's also, you know, because one of the main things that I also have to pay attention to, I, I'm, I didn't make any decisions, and that's pretty much the case with every as a delegation that it's it's company management who made the decisions about budget but but if we have to make uh for example all the um all what we think would be good so for example we, we get a hotel list and then we have to to choose the hotel which we want to stay in which is sometimes pretty hard because we for example i've never been to tel aviv before and i, and I have no idea you, you can do loads of things before your artist is selected but the the major work comes in when the actual selection happens which Normally in Hungary, it happened um, two weeks before the heads of delegation meeting. So that was the, the, the toughest two weeks, well, not counting the contest itself, but the, the toughest two weeks when we had the Hungarian final. And on the next day, we, we sat down with the artist and the management and we started to work. And that was meetings and rehearsals pretty much every day up until the point when, when we traveled to the heads of delegation meeting and we have to have everything together um, ranging from, you know, what the stage would look like, what the movements would be like on the stage, what uh, we have to shoot a video to show how it's going to look like for the, for the stage director uh, at the EBU, et cetera, et cetera. So it's loads of uh, material that we have to present. And, um, and it's very great uh, to, so it's, it's also a very good 
practice for the for the team. Then we have the run up to the contest, which uh, which also has loads of material from you know flight ticket booking, uh, figuring out the the rehearsals and and the daily schedule for everybody, and uh, figuring out the um, if the artist wants to go to to one of the the pre uh, the the parties, so the Eurovision parties, then we have to figure that out and you know organize it as well. And and also we 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 always try to well it 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 varied, but I also work together with the uh, head of press to to have some kind of PR and marketing for the artist before the contest. I'm going to take you back to to something you mentioned at the very start when you were talking about how many jobs you have. And one of the biggest things for Eurovision fans, of course, is when the list comes out of which countries are taking part this year, which is what we we had uh, not that long ago uh, for 2021, of course. What's it actually like? I'm really interested in this. Do you just send an email that just says, yes, we'll be taking part? Or, I mean, it must be bigger than that. Normally, it's it's high level. So we have to, uh, I mean, company management or the, or the general director, they, they have to send a letter and then we, they have to negotiate all, all the terms of, of the of how we are going to take part, which is the same every year. But but it's you know it's a formality in a way. So it's it's pretty much not so it's not bigger than an email. Uh, it's just an email that is signed by the general director of, of the company. So of course there there is uh, because we we get the invitation. Uh, every year and, and we have the but that's that's public so i think it goes out every year that uh, the broadcasters eurovision will take place in this of course we know which country but we we get the dates and and then they send us a deadline actually to answer your question shortly it's pretty much an email so there it is part one of my chat with hungary's former head of delegation lawrence bubno and that is the revelation to end all revelations, isn't it? That if you want to confirm your participation at Eurovision, all you need to do, just pop the EBU an email. You can't believe it, can you? I've sent some pretty important emails in my time. You know, I've once complained to, to Walkers, the crisp company. We'll save that story for another day. Um, but I've never had to send an email to say, yes, I will take part in the world's biggest music competition. You'd be livid if you forgot the subject line, wouldn't you? If you were sending <laughs> off that email. Maybe that's how some countries end up not participating, just because they forgot to pop the, uh, the Eurovision Song Contest in the subject line. Maybe that's what's actually happened in Hungary. They've, just, they've tried to send this email before, but it comes through to uh, Jono Lassan's inbox, and it just says, no subject, and he goes, well, that's going into the delete folder, isn't it? He's got a Geordie accent now, hasn't he? He's changed <laughs> since he said, take it away. Wow. It's amazing what can change in a couple of years. It's not been Tel Aviv <laughs> since we've seen him. And that was it, actually, wasn't it? We're not going to see him again. Oh, don't say that. Because, of course, Junior Eurovision just around the corner. This is going to be the first contest since Tel Aviv that little Jan Olesant's not going to be there. It's not going to be the same. Uh, although, that said, we do still have a Scandinavian who can say, take it away, which was just as they will say it i'm sure uh anyway that's not a problem for two weeks time is it uh but tell you what it's time for james it's that time of the week you're ready for it you're excited i can see from your face indeed i am is it time for the european quiz you know it is here he is here's sam the 18th of november marks independence day in latvia here are three questions about the baltic state I've always fancied a trip to Latvia, so to answer the question that you always ask me, I have not been. 
Have you ever been to any of the other Baltic states? Estonia, Lithuania? Surely you have. I haven't. I want to take them all off. Obviously, you know. I don't mention it very often. Been to Belarus, James, obviously. <laughs> uh, I've been to Poland, which is in the Latvia area, but I've I've not uh, I've not been to, to Latvia itself. You? No, I've never been to Latvia before. Potentially in the future, when uh, when things open up again, we could take the Euro trip on a bit of a Euro trip and do the podcast from Latvia. How does that sound? That sounds good. Now, I had a friend from university who who lived in in Riga, the capital of Latvia, for a short while. So maybe I can hit her up for some tips and uh, we can have one hell of a weekend. Italian performer Roberto Maloney is one of the six tenors that participated in Eurovision 2007 as part of the group Bonaparte.lv with their song Questa Notte. That's probably pronounced wrong. Which other group did he front on the Eurovision stage? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bonaparte.lv doesn't actually sound like a Eurovision performer. It does just sound like a party website in, in Latvia. We sure they definitely participate in Eurovision. It's difficult, isn't it? There are some weird old uh, Eurovision acts names, but uh, Bonaparte.lv... Although, to be fair, they did take part in 2007 when having some sort of internet domain name would probably have sounded quite exciting and quite modern. So I can sort of see where they were going with. Now, 2007 was a little bit before my time. Can you remember if they did very well or not? I don't think they did that well, I'll be honest. I mean, they didn't win, obviously. Serbia won in, uh, in Helsinki. Anyway, let's move on to the question. Which other group did he front? I've got a guess trying to think of any other groups who have uh, who have represented Latvia so I'm going to go for uh, Pirates of the Sea or Wolves of the Sea which, whichever one it was because I always forget it's one of them anyway I'm furious about this because I'll be honest with you James you may have seen that my eye contact has not been with you uh, throughout the, the course of the answer mm. of this question because I too have been attempting to scroll down the Eurovision 2008 Wikipedia page to find the actual name of that act and I haven't got that far down so my answer is also one of Pirates of or Wolves of the Sea Roberto represented Latvia two years running, returning as the frontman of Pirates of the Sea with a very different song in 2008 So there we go first question and James gets a point, fantastic It's one point each, I think you'll find if you are to go by your own rules from what I can remember from a couple of weeks ago, that is one point each. I don't think it's fair though, because you just copied off my answer. Because you did admit you were on Wikipedia while I was talking, which is effectively cheating. Only because I wanted to get the right answer, James. I knew which year, I knew where we were talking, I knew who we were talking about. Are we going to have to treat this like an exam in the future, where you hand your phone in before you go into the exam hall? Because if you're just going to cheat on every question, it, then it's not going to be fair. I Does won that one fair and square. Does that mean I have to post my phone to the other end of the country so that you know that I've not got it? Is that what we have to do every week now? That Yeah, if, if it comes to it, if you're going to continue with this behaviour, then we're going to have to go to extreme measures. You know what? I don't care. You have your point. If you're going to play like this, you're ruining it for everybody else, but you can have the point. I don't mind. However, is Bonaparte.lv a website or not? It is a website. I've just had a quick look. Bonaparte.lv is a review website for trusted casinos around the world. So quite the change from 12 years ago. What might you see flying in the small Latvian town of Kuldiga near the Baltic Sea? 
Now this, once again, as we always say when Sam gives us these questions every week, could be absolutely anything, couldn't it? I mean, this could be anything. This is this is a pure guessing game. Yeah, anything that comes into your head. You wake up one morning and the first thought in your head, this that could be the answer to this question. It's classic, Sam. It's classic European quiz. But again, I've got an answer. And I'm not going to say I'm confident, but I'm happy with it. I'll but, be honest, James. I forgot what the question is. <laughs> Fantastic. How about you take a guess without knowing the question? Okay, that's fine. That's, that's fun. Here I am answering a question that I have heard, but have forgotten. I'm going to say, and this might not fit at all, a lovely pink elephant. <laughs> does that does that fit? Does that sound about right? Oh, man. It could do. It's the European quiz. It's not what I would say, <laughs> but it, uh, it sounds very exciting nonetheless. I'm going to say, and this might freshen your memory up and, and you'll realise what a mistake you've made. But I'm going to say, because of where Estonia is, I'm going to guess that there's a lot of lot of winds from the Baltic Sea and that it is a perfect place to fly a kite. The Venta River flowing through Kuldiga is famous for its flying fish. There's even a flying fish festival each year. Now, while not a pink elephant, at <laughs> least it was animal-based, which doesn't make my answer seem too ridiculous. However, now you've said it, the idea of finding a pink elephant on the Li- Latvian, wherever we're talking about, Latvian-Estonian <laughs> border probably seems quite unlikely. Finally, Kerosta Sietums is a type of museum not far from the Lithuanian border. For 15 euros a night, what can you experience on site? Now, to be honest, James, what's most ridiculous about this is that I heard Sam say Kiesta Siotums, or whatever it was he said. I'm not going to pick him up on pronunciation because neither me nor you know how on earth we say that. And in my head, I was trying to think, what does that sound like it could be? What a ridiculous thought. I've got no idea, do I? What can you experience for 15... Was it £15 per night? €15 Euros per night at this, at this museum on the Lithuanian border. Now, I imagine it's something a bit, uh, a bit off the wall. Of course it is. It's the European quiz. So are you able to stay over in this museum? I don't know. Well, maybe it's something that can only take place at night, maybe? It's you to answer first, so... You can stall all you want. I'm not going to stall. I'm going to say it's some sort of ghost hunt of Latvian Eurovision acts of the past. Triana Park, Aminata, they're all in there. <laughs> On a party LV. <laughs> the rest of the lads, they're all oh, there. I feel like I've shot myself in the foot there. That's not a credible answer, but I've said it now, so I'm going to roll with it. I'm, I'm just intrigued as to how many former Latvian artists you could name now. Go on, let's turn this into a little flip-flop game. Oh, I'm, dear me. I'm going to go at Brainstorm. Um, P-E-R? <gasps> Honestly, you're not going to believe it. P-E-R was what I was going to go for. Okay. Uh, Walters and Kazar. Wow. Does Samantha Tina count? No. She's 2020. Oh, come on. Do the songs count, James? I think you'll find they don't. Anyway... Let's get rid of this ridiculous segment. We need an answer from you. Uh, what can you experience for 15 euros a night? Um, half an hour in the sauna. 
The Carosta Museum is actually a former prison where you can book to stay the night and receive verbal abuse all night long. Uh, breakfast in bed from a prison guard is an optional extra. I don't know about you, but you were talking earlier on in this quiz about me and you potentially taking this podcast on a Euro trip for the Euro trip. You up for it? Me, you, bunk bed, prison cell? <laughs> it, it wouldn't be the first time we've done bunk beds, Rob, but uh, but I'm up for it. And if uh, if Aminata's is the prison guard as well, giving us breakfast in bed, what a delight. I'd take Tehran apart. There's more of them. <laughs> Which means that it might be a more ambitious breakfast. Who knows? Who knows indeed. But I tell you one thing I do know is the result of this week's quiz. Do you know the result of this week's quiz or do you want me to remind you what it is? No, no, James, don't you worry. I can remember the result. And once again, another hollow victory for yourself. I think if you were a different world leader, you may shout, stop the count. You may claim <laughs> that you are the rightful victor that uh, all of the followers here know. But uh, we all know what really happened here. Before we get back to the podcast, let me just tell you about this week's sponsor. If you're looking for support with your profile on social media, look no further than Emily's Social Media Services. Whether you need somebody to manage your Twitter account, or perhaps you want to reach more people on Instagram, or even want a brand new logo designed to stand out from the crowd, Emily's Social Media Services will be right for you. Emily is qualified in social media management and has been working in the digital marketing industry for the past three years. We've worked with Emily recently and she has really helped us with our presence online. So if you need support with your profiles online, search for Emily's social media services on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get back to the show. Sorry listeners, if you can hear any noises in the background, it's just my girlfriend banging a colander. That's not a euphemism. Anyway, the European quiz is probably better off forgotten, to be honest with you. And while James is off on a victory lap of his garden because let's be honest can't go anywhere else at the moment it's time for part two of the big guest interview this week with he's not called Lorenk he's called Lawrence Lawrence Bubno the former Hungarian head of delegation from 2017 to 2019 now of course we know as well that Hungary actually withdrew from the 2020 contest they also won't be with us in 2021 so I go on to ask Lawrence about that and the reasons for Hungary's withdrawal. To start part two, I asked him about the varying skills and qualities of the two acts that he was responsible for in his time as the head of delegation, Yotsi Papai and AWS. In terms of genre and, and in terms of personality, actually, they are very different. I mean, the band and Yotsi, but uh, there is one thing in common, which I think is more important, is that in both cases, they were the, the writers and the performance of their songs. So they didn't have any, any songwriters and producers. So it's, it's their music. And uh, I think that's a very good thing with the Hungarian selection show. Uh, then actually it's, it's singer songwriters who go to the, to the, to the song contest and not, not just uh, performers who perform a uh, song by somebody else. So they both had a very, so they really knew what their songs were about. I actually, in Yoti's case, in the first year, um, I don't know how many people know this, but actually we talked about it a lot back then, but uh, he was really trying to give up on music. Uh, he was really com- contemplating of, of quitting before, before he, he went to Eurovision because uh, he was around for, for, more, for over a decade uh, and he didn't get very successful. So he was, 
he was pretty much contemplating giving up and, and doing something else. And, and he always told me and everybody else that, you know, what, what could I do? I, I, I can't do anything else but music. So, so that's the only thing why he didn't quit. But, he, you know, he has two kids, very nice wife and good, good family. And it's very hard to, to go on with, with very few concerts, what he had before that. So he was pretty, pretty depressed and everything else before, before Eurovision. And that was a big, big game changer for him, actually. How, how do you look back on Hungary's performance when you were the head of delegation? Because, I mean, you've got to be delighted with how things started in 2017, eighth place, which I think was Hungary's third best ever result. Uh, AWS, yeah. they, they also made the final as well. And then, unfortunately, Yotsi didn't make it to the final in, in 2019. So a real, a real mixed bag. But there's only so much that you can do to, you know, you can only do so much as the head of delegation. Ah, well, you know, after after Tel Aviv, I was I was a bit disappointed actually because um, honestly, I was a bit uh, bit too full of myself and and of the production, and I thought that no chance that we are not getting into the final. But you know, that was also a good thing that that this happened because it's a good feedback from life actually that uh, if you get involved into into a whole production, pretty much as as you do as head of delegation. You you might be not be seeing the um, what other people see actually because you are so involved and so much living with that song and that staging and everything else. So now I can see that there were some things that could have been done in another way. It's amazing just to to hear you look back. Uh, unfortunately, now we have to talk about a world where Hungary are not taking part in, in Eurovision. And, and the decision was made in 2020 and now again 2021 that Hungary won't be part of Eurovision. How does that make you feel? Obviously, it means that you are no longer the, the head of delegation, but but just as a as a personal reaction, it, it must be, I don't know, disappointing for you. And especially purportedly some of the reasons why Hungary aren't in Eurovision anymore. Actually, one thing that you have to know is that I uh, I already knew when I was in Tel Aviv that that's going to be my last year as head of delegation because uh, I'm I'm still um, so I'm not anymore working at the public service media. I quit after Eurovision, but that was not nothing to do with uh, with the professional uh, task that I have. But because I'm I'm a musician and I'm doing this as a main job right now, and I was also doing it. Uh, during my years as head of delegation, you must know that uh, the because that's also public data that the the views in Hungary for the Eurovision Song Contest they they degraded year by year, and um, being part of the Eurovision it's it's a very uh, it's a relatively high cost project. So starting from so thinking with the management eye, I would say that a project which which costs a lot of money but not too many people are watching it in Hungary. Why is it worth for us? So I think, uh, of course, I read everything in the media, uh, but I don't, I, obviously I don't really want to, I, and I can't really comment on the, on the, um, on the homophobic part of the, of the whole thing, because I don't know. So I, I, I have no idea what the actual decision was, but uh, in terms of uh, company management, uh, that's, that would be a sane decision uh, to say that we're paying a lot of money uh, to, to be in this project, but we're not getting what, what we want from it, then uh, either we, we, we invest even more and then try to make the whole project work better and make it bigger and things like that, or we quit. So I think it's, 
it's understandable. And I'm, but I wanted to, to add that I'm not, not happy about it because for me, it's, it's a project that I really love and, and I think it's good for the country image, but, uh, but that's not for me to decide. Just to summarize then, you would say that the, the, what the media were reporting about it being anti-gay, for example, is, is not the full picture. Yeah, well, actually, I think uh, so, because I already uh, just recently I was doing a, um, a podcast talk with, with my friend Jan Bors from the Czech Republic. He's, he's releasing some new uh, videos every week now in his uh, personal blog. And um, I told the same thing uh, to him that I'm going to tell you now that actually um, it's not a month. So you and it probably it's not very easy to understand from uh from, for example, from the UK or from France or from Italy, where people are much, much more tolerant. So uh, that's not the case in Hungary. So, uh, you, and I just want to be on, honest about this, that Hungarians and especially the older Hungarians, uh, so homophobia is, is actually a thing. So it's, which is unfortunate and, and that shouldn't be a question. I mean, the, the question if you're straight or gay or, or anything else from the LGBTQI community, that shouldn't be a question in my, in my opinion, but it is actually in Hungary. So it's, it's, it's an issue. And yeah, so because of that, uh, I, I wouldn't say that, it's, uh, that, are, that there are like two people in the company management who are, who are, uh, who are homophobic and that's why, uh, that's why the whole public service backed out of it. But I would say that there, there is, um, a common thought in, in Hungary, which has to change. If, if we talk about much happier things now, which, as you mentioned, you, you, you quit the role as, as head, of de- head of delegation to, to pursue your own career as an artist and as a musician. If people want to, to find, their stuff, uh, find your stuff and check out your stuff, where can they go? Facebook and Instagram are the easiest. And just finally, to finish, because we ask this question to, to every single person we speak to, and it's a very difficult question. It's an even more difficult question for somebody that doesn't know a huge amount about Eurovision. <laughs> we, we, always ask, like we always ask, what's your not first favourite, what's your second favourite Eurovision song? Second favourite? Mm. Grab the Moment by Joe's. Uh, probably it didn't... Well... I think it was a great, great song. I really loved it, and I shouted it throughout <laughs> all the all the semifinals and the final. Uh, but it was it was great, and it was so so. I, I loved it because it was really up to date. So that was the second part of the interview with Lawrence Bobno, telling us all sorts of fantastic little gems in there. Of course, another second favorite Eurovision song to add to the playlist. We do need to make that playlist at some point, Rob, but uh, we'll put that on the back burner for now. Uh, But loads of great stories in there. One thing that sort of stands out for me there as well, that when he was in Tel Aviv, he sort of knew at the time that 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 was the end. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? He knew he was going to quit the broadcaster. Little did he know, probably at the time, though, that Hungary would would not be at Eurovision the following year. And also... uh, it was really nice to hear how honest and kind of open he was about himself and his own Eurovision experience. We heard in part one how he, he said, you know, he, he actually had prejudices towards Eurovision. He, he didn't really enjoy the contest himself. But then that changed once he became the head of delegation. But also just him talking about 2019 previously as well. And he said, you know what, I was maybe a little bit arrogant and I was very complacent about it. And I thought Yotsi was going to make it to the final. And, and of course, we know what happened. He didn't. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that just shows that you can't be complacent, can you, in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest? Because 
no matter how much you might love a song, and both me and you did love Yachty's song from, from 2019, you can't rest on your laurels. You've got to put the effort in. And if the viewers don't like it as much as other songs, if the juries don't like it, then you're out of the semi-finals, and, and that must be a big blow as well. Yeah, it must be huge. Like that that Tuesday or Thursday night when you know that you won't be in Saturday's grand final must be devastating for the delegations. But we must add as well, Lawrence was the latest in a long line of amazing people that we've been fortunate enough, both me and you, to talk to on this podcast. So if you do want to go back and listen to any of the other big guests we've spoken to, the likes of James Fox, of course, the UK's entry from 2004, Andreas Mamontovas, who was from LT United, 2006 for Lithuania, of course. James, you've spoken to some amazing people recently. Yeah, so Aveta Makuchian is one of those who was on more recently. But let's not forget that just because we've had some fantastic guests in the past doesn't mean we don't have some fantastic guests lined up for the future because we do have a junior Eurovision winner next week. We also have some other Eurovision winners coming over the next couple of weeks and months. So some fantastic stories to come in the next few weeks here on the Eurotrip. Absolutely. So all that still to look forward to. And now, normally, we approach the end of the show with trepidation because it means the one second song. And normally it means me or James finishing with zero points and an incorrect answer. But for the last two weeks, James, me and you have both got the one second song correct. My worry is that run is probably about to end. I think we went a little bit too easy on one another over the last fortnight. So I've dug out a song which I think could throw you off a little bit. We heard Alistair a little bit earlier on. He's had his guess, but it is now time for you to hear this week's one second song for the very first time. I thought you said, James, you were making it harder this week. Now then, does that mean you know exactly what it is? Four points, mate, in the bag. Really? Straight away in the bag? Straight away in the bag. I don't need it again. Let's have it one more time for the listeners at home, but I don't need it again, and I want to reiterate that. Now, we've seen confidence before result in disaster. We've also seen confidence pay off. Of course, the mantra, kick, confidence is key, but you knew that. So, Rob, what do you think this week's One Second Song is? Now, a reminder as well for everybody, four points up for grabs here, aren't there? We've got the country the year, the artist, and the song title. And I'm confident of all four. Which order would you like them in? Let's go for let's go for year first. And that sort of sets the tone. So it's 2013. And the country. Is Ireland. And the song title. Only Love Survives. And the artist. Is Ryan Dolan. Now then, thanks for your answer. Alistair has also sent his answer in. He submitted one answer, but also said there is another song it sounds similar to. So the song he said it sounds similar to was popular, Sweden 2011. It does sound like, oh no, now you're making me doubt myself. No, I'm confident. I'm not wrong. It is. It's Ryan Dolan, Only Love Survives. Don't you play this game with me? Are you sure? Because Alistair also thinks it could be popular. Sweden 2011. So you're not changing your mind now? I'm going to give you the option. Do you want to change your mind? You're turning this into your own little game show. This is fun, isn't it? I am going to stick. I'm going to stick with my guess of Only Love Survives, Ireland 2013, 
by Ryan Dolan. And you're 100% sure you do want to change your mind. Are you going to ask me to ask the audience in a minute? Or... <laughs> no, I'm all good. Okay. Well, I can tell you that you, my friend, have once again scored four points in the one-second song. You thought that you could play your mind games, you could get into my head, you could try and make me change my answer, but I was confident all along. can't believe it three episodes on the trot the pair of us have managed to get four points what is this come to imagine telling us two back in august on episode one that we would eventually start getting four points regularly i wouldn't have believed you i wouldn't have believed you 2020 is on the turn we've got a vaccine and now me and you three one second songs in a row don't you think though that i'm gonna make it easy for you next week because i am not sir Please don't tell me it's going to be a junior Eurovision special next week because I'll be I'll be floundering left, right and centre if it is. I think you know it is. I think you know <laughs> it is. It's a junior Eurovision special of the one second song. And I tell you what, why don't me and you both play next week? Let's do that. Okay. I'm definitely, I'm going to set the scene straight away. I'm definitely going to get zero points next week because you know my junior knowledge is uh, is minimal. Let's put it politely. So I'm going to have to pick something very niche out of the bag to try and trick you and get zero points from you as well. So that's right. A junior Eurovision one second song coming your way next week, of course. Given that next week on the podcast, we will be building up to junior Eurovision 2020. It's our junior Eurovision special. We have got loads planned. We're going to be previewing the contest. We are going to be, as ever, bringing you the latest news that you need to know. But, James, we need to say that there is a very big junior Eurovision guest joining us next week. Yeah, we've mentioned it a couple of times already on this episode, but to reiterate, once again, there is a junior Eurovision winner on next week's episode. And a little tease, we shouldn't give too much away, but this is Rob's favourite ever junior Eurovision winner. So if you can figure that out, you can figure out who's joining us next week. Although... I chickened out of telling the guest that for fear of embarrassing myself. (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, to review, to rate us five star. We will be back again wherever you get your podcasts next Wednesday with the brand new episode. And just to reiterate, because we've not mentioned it enough, Junior Eurovision special next week. Anyway, from me, it's goodbye. And from me, it's goodbye. The exciting thing here about 2020, me and you, three on the bag. Three on the bag? What the fuck is that? (laughs) Three on the bag? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.